Alright. <clears throat> Three to seven can go to children's church if you want to. Everybody else open your Bible to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. the weather like in here? Is it warm? Is it cool? It's warm, right? Alright. Everybody in favor, turn AC on and say amen. amen. Alright. <clears throat> Anybody opposed? Get a blanket. <laughs> set that down on 56. <laughs> I've been preaching on uh, spiritual warfare for a couple, two or three weeks now. And I'll be honest with you, it seems like we've got a whole lot more texts and calls and visiting with people to where you are going through some major spiritual warfare. seems like every time I preach on something... uh, starts happening and and i had one person tell me this week you know man you're gonna have you're gonna have to hurry and get through this and pick something different i said yeah i think i'm gonna preach on joy on sunday but uh but here's where i'm at you know a lot of times you become the object of the battle and and uh and that's a good thing you know if if the devil isn't doing something to try to come against you then you're you're probably not doing a whole lot in the battle for the lord so uh, when you want to be a soldier, it's a good thing to be in the battle, and hopefully this morning we can give you some help with that. That's the whole purpose of this. Um, so looking at Ephesians chapter 6, looking at starting in verse, we'll read it again in verse 10. Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And then in verse 14, it tells us, what once we're prepared, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth or the belt of truth. Because what, what Paul's doing here, he's going through the, the armor, basically, of a Roman soldier that he would have worn in that day. And he's applying it to the spiritual aspect of the battle. And so, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having feet shod, with your, or having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So when you look at this, uh, Paul is preparing the church for what he what he knows is coming, and uh, and some of you have it coming, and 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 uh, if you haven't had it coming, or you're going you're going to get it sooner or later. So hopefully this will help you. I want to start off by saying Christianity is not the result of an emotionally driven Sunday morning experience. <clears throat> in a lot of preaching, in a lot of churches, and and teaching. Everything to do with Christianity is kind of geared towards a service, a church service, you know, Sunday morning, music, preach. I'm not saying that you're not saved, you know, you can't be saved by by any means in, in that. But what I'm saying is, if that's all you've got, 
If you look at what you call your faith and you always go back to one thing, one time, one experience and that's all there is, you really better check and see if you got what what you know the Bible teaches Christianity is because biblically Christianity when you study the Bible is is a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, all the way through the scripture, it teaches us that it's a, that it's a working of God's spirit on a sinner to bring us to the knowledge of the truth, uh, of, of, of the sin in our life and the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again in order that we could be, uh, given grace and mercy, which is what the Bible refers to as the gospel. And so the Holy Spirit working in a sinner, bringing us to the knowledge of God's word, the truth of God's word, and our response to that, our response simply is to, you either believe it or you don't, and if you believe it, you receive it or you don't. And at the point in time that you believe God's word, you know, uh, for, for instance, I'll give you an example biblically, like always back with the Bible in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 13. <clears throat> it says this, let me find my place. It says uh, verse 11, in him, talking about Jesus, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed. And so you see the pattern there. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance to the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And so a person, a sinner, hears God's word, hears the truth, comes to the knowledge of the truth. And so when we talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's not necessarily, and I'm not saying that they're, that you, you know, when a person comes to that knowledge, a lot of times they're broken over their sin. And so, I'm not saying be emotionless or any, any of that stuff. But what I am saying is, it's not just a, hey, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to, you know, because I heard some music and I got emotional. That, that was my salvation. It is coming to the knowledge of the truth, which is God's word to go. Do I believe God's word is truth? And, with that belief, how am I going to respond? Am I going to, am I going to bow to the authority of God as Jesus is the Lord? He's the way, the only way, the only truth, the only life, uh, and the way to the Father. No way else to, to salvation, no other way of salvation. That's what the truth of this book claims. That, that there's one God, there's, there's one Savior. You know, it talks about, we read it last Sunday night in Isaiah, it says there is no other Savior, no other Savior, no other way. All, all religions do not lead, you know, to heaven. There's one way, it's not even about religion, it's about a person, the person of Jesus Christ, and the fact of repentance and faith, only by God's grace are we saved. <clears throat> when a person comes to that place to go, I believe that, and I'm, I, I want that in my life, and we humble ourselves, come to God in truth, God saves us, seals us, it says, until the day of redemption. That's what it means to to be a believer, and so here's here's my point. There's a lot of things and beliefs today that you know because uh, you know a person prays this prayer or does this you know process or whatever whatever the religion that they go through, and then and then they they want to separate the authority of God's word in their life from this. A belief they say of Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but I don't know about you know all everything that's in the Bible and blah blah blah. You you ha- or having a relationship with Jesus is having a relationship with God's word. You know, in the book of, of John, Jesus said, "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God." Okay, and later on in verse fourteen it says, "And the Word became flesh." Jesus was the living Word of God, and everything that He spoke was absolute, not just you know. In our culture nowadays, they say, well, there's no absolute truth. There is an absolute truth. Okay, I'll die standing on the rock of the absolute truth of God's Word. I don't care if it goes with our culture, society, whatever. It's never been proven wrong. It never will be proven wrong. You know, And if you're one of those go, well, I think it has. I, I, I'm absolutely sure it has. And I'll be glad to sit down and talk with you, you know, about it and, and, and try to wrestle you through your questions if you have. But, but please don't listen to... You know, big mouths who want to spout a bunch of stuff off, but they have no backing. God's word has been tested through time. It stands. It's absolute truth. It's what we're going to be judged by. Jesus did rose from the grave. Did rise from the grave. His his resurrection validates the scripture. And so, to be a Christian means to agree that I believe God's word is absolute truth and it's the authority of my life. If you're sitting here and go, I don't believe that, then you're not a Christian. 
You're not a Christian. Okay, There's no separating salvation in the Word of God. You're saved by the Word of God. Okay, I just want to clarify that. Now, here's what I want to get you. Okay, if you if you were born a Jew, let's say you, you you're over in Israel. Here's the thing: Israel has a hostile. They have a bunch of hostile enemies. Iran is a hostile enemy towards Israel. The reason that Iran wants to be, you know, have nuclear power, and they've already said this, they want to smoke Israel. They hate Jews. And most of the Muslim people, uh, you know, over there hate and despise, want to kill. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Iranians would stomp a, a Jewish baby to death and never think twice about it and think that they're going to receive glory from their God, who's not a God at all. From that, okay? And, and in this illustration, I want to give you a point. Because, not because you have, if you were a Jew, not because you had done anything, not because you had said anything, but just the fact that you were born as a Jew, you have immediately a hostile enemy. It's the same thing with Christianity. Okay? It's not about you provoking the devil or, or you being a preacher or being a missionary. The fact that you are born of Christ, you have a hostile enemy. One who despises, hates, and wants to do everything that he can possibly do to destroy you and everything to do about your life. To take away from you, to, you know, to, like the Bible says, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his purpose. And at the moment, Jesus said, don't be surprised that the world hates you because it hates me first. It doesn't hate you because of what you do. It hates you because who you have become in Christ Jesus. When the, when the world sees Christ in you, when Satan sees Christ in you, that you're a child of God, immediately you have that kind of enemy because you belong to Christ. You are, you are a citizen of heaven. That's a good thing, okay? I'm not trying to scare you. Here's, the, here's where I'm at. You know, when you sit there and think, well, you know, I don't necessarily know if I want all that enemy stuff. I, I hate him. I hate his stinking guts, and here's where I'm at. Greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. Not, I have no fear of, of, well, you know, are you scared of what the devil can do? Absolutely not, because I trust in the Lord. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the captain of the army of the Lord. He fights my battles for me, and Satan's already defeated, but I am at war. And if I don't treat my, my faith and my life as if I'm in a battle, then I'm going to lose the battle. You agree with that? And so in this, how should we respond? Well, I guess you can respond how you choose in one of two ways. You know, here's where I'm at. You know, I don't care nothing. You know, I'm not a brawler. don't care nothing about that. But but here's the chances. You've got to probably, you know, you probably got a 100% chance. If you come and you punch me in the face, you know, I don't know about the other cheek thing. I'm probably going to pop you back, you know, if I'm able. And I'm saying, please don't test me on that. I'd rather, I'd rather us get along, you know, and love each other. I really would. I'm too old for all that. I might shoot you. I don't know, you know. Yeah, no, I'm just playing. Let's get off of that rabbit trail. You can either roll over and take a beating, that's where I'm at, or you can stand. There's a lot of believers today just rolling over. Letting the world run over us, letting the devil run over you, taking a beating, and, and you're not standing. And I hope that, you know, I've watched, watched some stuff in my life to where, you know, if you watch it you know, in school, you watch a couple of boys get in a fight. I've seen, you know, where one, you know, takes a beating long enough to where I think he finally got tired of taking the beating and he started fighting back. I'm, I'm hoping that the church comes to a place where we finally get to a point where we go, I, I don't like taking this whooping that I'm taking. And I'm fixing to start standing and I'm going to start fighting back and I'm going to get involved in the battle. So I'm going to talk to people today who say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand for Jesus. I want to stand for truth. I want to stand for righteousness. You know, I'm ready to battle. You know, if you're one of them who's taking a beating, you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of this message, okay? But notice what it says here in verse, in verse uh, 14. Paul said, I want you to stand. Stand, therefore, having your, your uh, girded your waist with truth, or, or it's talking about a belt, you know, that they wrapped around, the, that the soldier would have a belt. And he's referring to this as a belt of truth. It's the very first piece of armor that he mentions when he mentions truth because it's foundational. Okay, some of you here today may be new believers, or maybe you've been saved for a while, but you're still immature as a Christian. Okay, if you're going to stand, you have to have something to stand on. You can't stand on your opinion. 
You can't stand on tradition. You can't stand on what your mom and daddy stands on. You yourself have to have a foundation that you're standing on. And the only foundation that's going to uphold you is the truth of God's Word. And there's one thing that I know through... Through the years of ministry, I've had to make a bunch of stands. And every time, you know, I I see a lot of people who want to argue and, you know, get upset, all that kind of stuff, and get loud. And most of the time, it's those people who have nothing to stand on. And and they bring their thoughts, and they bring their beliefs, and they bring all these things. But but listen to me. If you can't go to God's Word, truth, truth stands for itself. You can calmly read the Bible and go, this is why I believe what I believe. I don't have to get loud. I don't have to, you know, fight and argue and, and divide. Just go, this is, this is why, you, most of you have probably heard me say it. This is why I believe what I believe. If you show me different in God's Word, I don't care about opinions and, and beliefs and traditions. I, I don't care about none of that stuff. But I want to base my faith and everything that I do in my ministry and teaching and raising my family... This is why I do what I do, God's Word. And I believe God's Word's authority. And every battle that we have faced as a church group or as individuals, and we base it on the authority of God's Word, God fights our battles for us. We've seen that. And you've seen it time and time again in your own life. And <clears throat> so you have to have something to stand on. And so what Paul is saying is, as a, when you go into battle, you have to have a foundation, and that foundation is the truth of God's Word. The belt was the thing that held everything together. When it talks about girding up, you know, they would have, I hate to say it, not a skirt, but y'all know, y'all watch them movies, tunic or whatever you want to call it, not a dress. But they would have to gird because here's the thing, if they didn't wear the belt before they, you know, once they got all together, they would fall in the battle. And so the belt was the piece of equipment that kept you from falling. If you don't have a foundation of truth in your life, in the Word of God, you're going to fall. Okay, it doesn't mean that you're not saved, because saved people fall. Some of us dive. Okay, but, but here's the thing, a lot of people make their relationship with the Lord, they try to make it something that's, that's all on God, to where you're going, okay, I'm saved, that means everything in my life's going to get better, it's all going to work out, and it's great. And I'm not going to have any more troubles, and I'm, I'm not going to fall. But they don't want to do the work of building a foundation, and, and putting God's Word in their heart, and gaining the knowledge of God's Word, because it's work. And, and sometimes people think that, well, if I go to church, then, well, then later on when they fall, they're like, well, there's nothing to this Christianity stuff, and, you know, where's the Lord in all this? Thinking God gave us what we need. You know, I, I, and, and like I say, building a foundation, listen to me. There's a lot of times I don't want to study, but I do study. And there's a lot of times where, you know, it's work, and, and, and you know, it's not the most exciting thing. I'm not a book reader. If you want to know the truth, this is not, this is not who I naturally am. If I was not a pastor, I probably wouldn't read a book, if you want the truth. I'd study God's Word because I had before I was a pastor, but I see the value of it. But it's a disciplining of ourselves. We are disciples. And we discipline ourselves because we believe God's Word. You men better listen to me. If you're going to lead your family, you better have a foundation in God's Word. Your family's going to fall. It's going to fall. And you can't, you can't base everything on some mystical hope in God supernaturally implants truth into your heart. He doesn't do that. He, he give us the written word. This truth, it's unchanging. It applies in every area of our life. It applies since the time it was written. And if this world's here a million years from now, God's word is still truth because truth does not change. It does not vary. And so in that, to keep us from falling, God's given us the truth, okay? The Bible says, not just give us some reverence, the Bible gives us, God gives us truth as a guide. It talks about in John chapter 16 and verse 13, I'm not quoting, but Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit and He said, When the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you in all manners of truth, in the direction that we go. So God, the Holy Spirit works through the Word. God, he, he, Jesus, in another scripture there, close, I think, to that, either 14 or 16 in John, where he talks about the comforter or the Holy Spirit. And he talks about the fact that, uh, the Holy Spirit guides you and he will bring back to you all the things which I have spoken. And so God's Spirit within you is at work in you to bring the knowledge of the truth to you so that you can simply obey it 
And you can receive what God's Word has for your life. But everything to do with Christianity is wholly based upon truth. Okay, so it's, so it's very important that you get a rock-solid foundation of truth in your life and that you do the work that it takes in order to accomplish that. God's Word sets us apart. When Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, one of the things that He prayed was, Lord, sanctify them by truth. The word sanctify means to set apart or to cleanse. And He said, sanctify them by truth. Your Word is truth. So God's Word sets us apart. Not only does it cleanse us from the ways of sin and the ways of the world, but here's the good thing. It sets me apart from what the world has coming. It sets me apart from the judgment that comes upon people who are lost and disobedient or rebellious towards God. It sets me apart to where I'm not a part of the bad statistics. You know, I don't care if the divorce rate gets to 90%. We've been set apart by the Word of God because we build our marriage on this foundation. It sets our kids apart. It sets everything to do in my life. You know, when everybody else in the world's falling apart, like, oh no, the, the world's falling apart, we got this and war and disease and famine, all that. I've been set apart. Don't mean that I might not get sick or I might not experience some struggles. But what I'm saying is, if I build my foundation on the truth of God's Word, I'm, I can expect, I have a great expectation, not from the world, but of what God's going to do for me because He's promised that to me. And so in that, God's Word also, when you understand it, let me say this. You know, a lot of people work off of guilt. I don't work off of guilt and fear and all that stuff. Whatever you do is your business. Understand, so when I say this, I'm not trying to guilt you into to coming more or being here for Sunday school. We don't, we, we're not a church that counts numbers and keeps a blackboard. We don't care about that stuff. What I do care about, though, is that you get fed, that you come to understanding, and that we help you all that we can possibly help you. That's our heart here at this church. That's why I encourage you, if you haven't been to Sunday school, if you're not coming on Wednesday nights or or Sunday evenings, it's not about, okay, let's go back to church. It's about really in those settings is when we we try to dig in, we answer questions, the, our t- we have excellent committed teachers in our church that that study and dig and they they do it for the purpose to try to feed the people that they're teaching and those are the places where you grow in understanding you i guess we can ask questions on sunday morning don't bother me but you know usually just preaching you might have questions that i ain't answering and I always, I always say I'm open. I, I love your questions. You got questions. I don't care if you're, if you're here and you're an atheist. I love atheists. I, I enjoy really talking to atheist people or agnostic because they all have these questions and they've heard their side and go, just give me a chance to answer your questions with God's word logically. You know, and so if you have those questions, feel free to come to me or my wife, you know, and ask these questions. We'll always try. I can't, I'm not a Bible scholar, but, but I'll get you the answer, okay? But but I encourage you to, to, not only for the teaching, but just to connect to the church, to come and if you haven't tried, you know, Sunday evening or Wednesday night or um, or Sunday school, that's where you're going to grow. Because here's the point of this. When you understand God's Word, then understanding God's Word as a believer, I'm talking to believers, it, it produces life in you. It produces joy. Under any situation, it doesn't matter what your circumstantial you know, things going on in life are, are doing. I can go to God's Word and under the most horrendous situations and I find hope and I find direction and I find peace and I find life and I find joy and I find wisdom and I find, you know, the hope that God's Word gives me because every promise, listen to me, everything that God says, every promise that's in here, who God is, what He's willing to do is given to me simply because I'm a child of, of the Lord. And to you, okay? It's not about, well, I'm not doing everything perfectly right, so God's going to, no, no, no. This is a promise from God, and if I build my life upon that, I can expect God's always going to do His part because He's faithful and true to His Word. And so in that, very important that you gain understanding in God's Word and that your, your foundation, okay, your foundation, a believer has to lay that foundation, and then we build our lives upon that, okay? So here, I'm going to give you, I'm going to get you all on time this morning. I want to give you uh, just three things. Here, here goes our three points in a poem. 
But I do want to give you three things this morning that when it comes to girding up in truth, how do you, when I, this whole study, I thought, Lord, how do you go about putting on this armor? I want to give, you know, not only myself, but people, how do you apply? It's not just about reading some stuff in the Bible and going about your life. How do we actually gird up our waist with the belt of truth? Number one, you have to know it. You have to know it. You have to know it. You don't have to be a scholar. And let me, let me tell you something. This is not something you're going to come a couple of times, read a couple of times, listen to a couple of devos. This is the wisdom of God. You know, the Bible says the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. It's a joke. You take the smartest, greatest scholars, and God's like, man, y'all don't know nothing. And so for me to think that I can come through, well, I read the whole New Testament. I Honestly, man, I'm probably slow, but I've read this, you know, not every day, but I've read it a lot for the last 21 years of ministry. And I haven't even scratched the surface. Every time I read it and study it, I'm like, wow, I haven't seen that. And, and you just, what I'm saying is, you know what, I started off, I didn't know anything. And, and I started trying to build a foundation. And, and one of the things I say when you know God's Word and talk about foundation, the very first thing, when you're saved, you need to know doctrine. Don't listen to this junk that you hear churches say, we don't teach doctrine here. Then you're not a biblical church. Okay? Doctrine simply means the teaching of God's Word. So if a church says we don't do doctrine here, what they're actually saying is we don't teach God's Word here. So I'm going to avoid that. You know, if I just want to hang out, but you probably go to the VFW or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if I go to church, I want to hear God's Word. And I want to be around truth. <laughs> That's terrible. So anyhow, I've never been to the VFW. I'm not a veteran. All right, anyhow... Lord God. Let me get back to my point. What was I saying? Number one, yeah. But but doctrines. Because doctrines are the foundational truth. What is salvation? Do I have eternal security as a believer? Who is God? What do we believe about Him? What do we believe about God's Word? How can we know that God's Word is true? You know, and all of a sudden you start studying the doctrines. We've got 21 doctrinal statements in this church that we hold firm to, that's built upon the Scripture. It's a good place to start, okay? And if you don't have a clue, I can help you with that. I'm not going to baby feed you, you know, you know, that kind of stuff, but... But but I'd love to help you through that and do a you have to have because doctrines is your foundation. Everybody wants to get saved and go tell me about Revelation. Yeah, and, and, and Maddie had the baby and we're feeding a ribeye. It don't work that way, you know. And God has a way that He does, and you and you start on that because here's the thing. I don't care if you're alive 150 years as a believer, you're always going to go back to doctrine. You're, uh, when you when you serve the Lord, you're going to use those those doctrinal truths are what you'll use to lead other people to Jesus. To to to, to it, they'll defend any against any and every lie that the devil throws at you. You need to do those things. Okay, one of the re- one of the ways you grow in knowledge truth is obviously to be here. Pastors and teachers. Ephesians chapter four verse eleven said, "God's given us pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints." One of the things we try to stress here in the church is we want to always hold to, teach God's Word, try to teach it on a level where everybody gets it. I can do that because I'm just a backwoods, uneducated redneck. If you're smart, you're probably not going to get my preaching. But the point is, coming to church is good. And it's excellent for you to grow in knowledge. But 2 Timothy 2.15 also says, You study to show yourself approved unto God a workman. You're working at it. You're, when you go to God's Word, it's Word. But I'm working my way through. I'm being, You know, when David pours a slab for me, it's work. He doesn't just show up and go, all right, concrete's there. It's, you know, he has to dig and <laughs> God help me, and do all that horrible stuff of concrete. But you know what? When it's done, he got a good foundation to build a house on. And that's what it is. You're a workman that needs not to be ashamed because you've put the work in and the effort that it takes so that you can gain the knowledge of God's Word. And the more that you grow in the knowledge, honestly, the more you're going to want, the more you enjoy it. But here's the second thing. You need to obey it. Knowledge isn't any good if you're not going to enact God's Word into your life. Enacting it into your life empowers God's Word in your life. I heard a story this week said there was a muscle builder who was over in Africa and he he come upon this tribe of people and the chief looked at him and saw all of his muscles and he's like, wow, you know, what do you do with all of that? 
And the muscle builder said, well, it'd be easier for me to show you than it would be for me to tell you. And so, so he, he took off his shirt and he started posing and he showed his, you know, his biceps and his pecs and his lats and all those muscles and that kind of stuff. And when he was finished with all of that, the chief was like, wow, that is impressive. But I have another question for you. And he said, what is it? He said, what else do you do with that? And he said, well, that's pretty much it. You know, for the person who only gains knowledge, you come to church for years and years and years and you read the Bible, you learn all this neat stuff and, and you can, you know, you're, you're ready to argue or do whatever it is. If all you do is pose, then it's no good. What do you do with what you've been given? You've been here for 10, 15, 20 years. You know, I've, I've been here now, I think about 14, working on 15 years, and some of y'all have been here that whole time. What are you doing with what you've been given for 15 years? Young people who are sitting in church, I knew you when you was a baby, and now you're grown. What are you doing with all the investment that your Sunday school teachers, your youth pastors, pastors, all those people, your mom and dad, they've given you knowledge of God's Word, knowledge of God's Word. Some of you come off Sunday and you just pose. Whoop-de-doo. It's not about posing. It's about. It's not about you have all this knowledge. It's about what is God putting all this stuff in me for? I got to get it out. I got to do something with it. I got it. And that's where obedience comes in. I want you to look because I want you to see this yourself. Look in Matthew chapter 7. First book of the New Testament, seven chapters after that. Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching. The context that he's preaching in is on the day of judgment. Every one of us will stand before the Lord in the day of judgment. And we will be judged by truth, which is God's Word. You say, well, I I don't believe that. It don't matter what you believe. You're going to stand before the Lord. You better be prepared. Now notice what he says in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Okay, there's a lot of people who, who pray this prayer. And they think, well, I prayed the prayer. And your whole Christian faith is based upon that you said, Lord, Lord. You said whatever the preacher told you to say. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Who will then? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied or preached in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? These are religious people emphatic religious preachers. These are people who taught. These are people who cast out demons in the name of the Lord. They did all kind of wonders and works and, and all these things. And they, they said, you know, they ca- called Him Lord, Lord, okay? It's all about profession. How many times have you heard that? Have you made a profession of faith? There's a whole lot more to profession. What do you mean by profession? Have you walked up in front of the church... Told everybody you saved and got baptized. That's what this is a picture of. If that's all there is to what you are holding on as faith, you might be one of those people, okay? Now don't get all confused and scared. I'm not trying to cause doubt, okay? But but notice what it says here. He who does the will of my Father. Now, what will he say? We've done you know many wonders in your name, verse twenty three, and then I will declare to them who's the judge. Jesus is talking. He said, I will declare. He's the judge. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Never had a relationship with you. And we were never connected in a covenant. I was not the Lord. You just said a bunch of stuff. I never knew you. Then what? Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness or iniquity. You worker of iniquity in the King James Version. You who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness means I don't don't obey God's word. I prayed, Lord, Lord, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe that. I made this profession. I say this. I say that. I, you know, I repeat whatever the preacher says to, to, to say. I do all these things. But what has it done to your heart? Or is your heart and your soul connected to Jesus? Okay? Is he, is he? Because even later on he said, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? To say that Jesus is the Lord of your life is also to say that His Word is the authority of your life, which means if He's the Lord, then, then He's over me and I'm obedient to the Lord. That's what it means. Everybody that's awake, say amen. amen. <laughs> okay, stay with me. You're not getting out early. 
Okay, this is too important. And if you need to go, we understand. Verse 24. Now notice what he says here. Therefore, he speaks of two stories. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, and underline your Bible, and does them. I will liken him unto a wise man. And notice the foundation. He built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock, the belt of truth, the foundation of your life. You obey God's word. Why? Because you believe God's word. Because Jesus is Lord. That's why you obey God's word. And now you have a firm foundation. You will have floods. You will have winds. But you will stand. The truth always stands. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. But wait a second. I professed. Wait a second. I was at church. Wait a second, I I preached. But does your heart obey God's word? Do you do what God says? I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Somebody's stealing a car out here. And the... Let's just pause for a second. That little Randall. You know what? The devil does not want you to hear this message. Pay attention to me honking up here, alright? <laughs> and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house. What was the outcome? And it fell. And notice what it says? And great was its fall. So you take a person, there's people in this crowd this morning, I hope everybody here is a born again believer. That every one of you hear God's word in your ears. Some of you will obey it because you go, not because the preacher said it, because that's God's word. And because God said it, He's the Lord of my life, I'm going to strive to obey Him. Some of you will be, you may, may be like, yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, and I'm here and I agree with it, I hear it. But as far as enacting it into your life, you don't obey it. You don't care nothing about it. You need to read this again and put see where you're at with that. Okay? Now, I want, I want you to get this. Look real quick. Just a little bit more. There we go. We got it shut off. Ezekiel chapter 36. The reason I want you to look at this this morning and not just listen to me, if you have your Bible, I want you to look at it. Because what's written is what's most important, not what I speak. This is talking about, in the Old Testament, it's talking about the New Covenant. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. This is Kristen's favorite verse. It's written down in my Bible. Lord said, I, get this, this is, man, we could preach forever on this right here, Ezekiel 36, I'll wait till y'all get there, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, that'll get you both ways, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, the Lord speaking, he said, I will give you, that's grace. You don't earn a new heart. You don't make a new heart. You don't develop a new heart. He said, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone. The heart of stone is a carnal heart. A heart that is hardened towards God because of sin. A heart that will not respond to the word of God spoken. It's the stony ground that Jesus gave the parable and said he cast seeds on the stone and it went to the wayside. That's the hardened heart of an unbeliever. He said, I will take the heart of stone out. God does a God does an open heart surgery on you when you say transplant. And he says, I will take it out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. It's a heart that responds to God's word and spirit. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. Notice this, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and to keep my judgments and do them. Now, if you're here this morning, you can say, I'm a born again believer. What you're saying is, I have yielded to and surrendered to God as my physician. I, I couldn't make myself new. I couldn't fix my heart. I couldn't do away with my sins. So I simply responded to God's offer to salvation to give me grace. You laid down on the table and totally trusted in God. God took out your old sinful heart and He put His heart, the heart of Jesus, within you. And His Spirit, His life within you, He raised you from the dead. Boom, boom, brought you back, okay? 
And at that moment, God said, because now you have the heart of Jesus within you, my spirit's going to cause you. You will obey. You will walk in my commandments and my statutes. And you will keep my word. So for a person to say, I'm a born again believer. Do you, do you obey God's word? No. You walk in it? No. And I know we all fall. Okay, We all fall. We all sin. God's word said he corrects us just like a father brings us back. So don't. But what I'm saying is, you look at your heart and go, do I have a heart that obeys God's Word? Do I have a heart that hungers? Because the Spirit of God, when you have God's Spirit and you hunger for God's Word, you love truth, you love God's Word, you you believe it. He, God's Spirit is, is always causing us. He's either moving us in that direction because He wants the good of the promises in your life, okay? Or He's going to wrestle with you because you're being hard-headed, but He's going to cause you sooner or later, one way or another, to come around where you go, I'm going to walk in the will of God for my life. There's no choice in that. No choice. If you want to argue that, argue that. Okay, It's where I'm at. But God's Word's written on our hearts and His Spirit works within us to produce the promises. The last thing, and I'll get you out of here. First, you've got to know God's Word, grow in knowledge. Second thing, you've got to obey God's Word and act in your life. Third thing is, it becomes you. You become truth. This is one of the most powerful truths, I think, I want you to get this, okay? But not only do you have knowledge of the truth, you obey the truth, you become the truth. You are truthful. It means being truthful. I won't give you a lot of scripture for time's sake, but all the way to the scripture, it talks about being, uh, that we as Christians should be honest, sincere, open, truthful. Number one, truthful with yourself. Sometimes we'll lie to ourselves. I'm okay. I'm good. I know the Bible says this, and I know that my life is totally opposite. Maybe you're sitting there trying to lie to yourself this morning. Everything he said is, is contradictory to what I have, but I'm okay. You're lying to yourself. Be truthful. Be truthful to yourself in your marriage. Be truthful to yourself in, in the things that you do. And, but you also have to be truthful with everybody else. The Bible talks about in Ephesians. Stop speaking lies. Speak truth to your neighbor. That we should be open vessels. No closets. Okay? Because here's the way it works. You remember that, and, and above all, to be honest with God. Here's the awesome thing about grace. The throne of grace, it talks about Hebrews. He said that we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive help in a time of need. Grace opened the doors to God's throne room for people who fall, fail, and struggle with sin and, and make all kind of bad choices to be able to walk in and to be totally honest with a God who will always give grace. You don't have to hide. Here's the thing. This is the truth I want you to get. That this really registered with me this week. When you as a believer, even or as a lost person, but as a believer, when you have closets in your life, dark places you don't want anybody to know about. I don't even want God to know about it, even though he knows about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to open up to the Lord. I sure don't want anybody else to know about it.
confessing. I'm coming. I am confessing, but it's not because God's like, "What did you do?" It's God. I'm confessing. I'm having trouble. Will you help me? God, you know, I struggled. I mean, you know, I, I lost my temper and I said a bunch of things I shouldn't say, and I'm I'm hating on this person over here. And, and God, I, I really don't want. I don't want to study today, or I don't want to be at church. But and, you know, and I can be honest with God, and I can always expect God's going to be merciful to me. And here's the cool thing about this: Satan can't accuse me. He has nothing to hold against me. You know, I, I used it before. I probably doesn't apply to anybody in this room. But you know, people like to bring out all the little things about the pastor's kids and the pastor's crazy wife and all that kind of stuff. And you know, amen. So, so let's say that Greg comes to me and he's like, well, no, "I'm going to use Greg." Let's say that he's never done this, so I can use him. But, but here's the thing: let's say my kids do something stupid. They've done a lot of stupid things. But you hear, but if one of my kids come to me and said, "Dad, I want you to know I, I did something stupid," I'm going to show my kids mercy. I love them. All right, what'd you do? This is what I did. Oh, that was stupid. I'm going to beat you. No. <laughs> you know, I might correct him. I'm going to show him a lot more mercy than what they had got if I found out about it from Greg. And they show me and they're totally honest. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to show love. We're going to try to restore. We're going to try to fix. And then the phone rings and I answer the phone and Greg's like, um, excuse me, pastor. I need to inform you of something your kids did. And so he informs me. I'll be like, well, guess what? They already told me. I'm already on it. I don't need you. That's the response he's going to get. The devil is the accuser. He always wants to bring before you. But here's the thing. He only got to bring it to God. He just wants to bring it to you. He wants to come to you and go, oh, don't, don't you let nobody find out because you know what you did. You know what you're thinking. You know how, what, how you did. How can you possibly stand up and preach when this week you this? And how can you sing when you did this? And how can you witness to the gospel when you know you're struggling with this temptation right now? And he starts, and all of a sudden, if we don't bring, if we're not truthful, here's what I like to say. You're right. I need to go to the Lord with this. And I got people, a lot of people in this church that I can go to and I can be totally 100% honest and go, this is where I'm at. And those people always show me grace and mercy. That's what a church family should do. Anybody who stands in the, you know, the judgment seat here, if you ain't Jesus, you're getting booted. That's the way it works here. We're here to, to go, all right. And the awesome thing is, when you're truthful with people, and with, with, with the Lord, that the devil has to let you go. Right. He has no hold on you. And that's why the Lord said, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. He can't accuse you. He has no stronghold. You've already given that to the Lord. And here's the awesome thing. If you're here this morning, you're lost. That's what Jesus did for you. Right. He made a place to where you, maybe you're sitting here, you're telling me. You're telling me after just this morning, all the things that I thought, the things that I said, the things that I did this weekend, all that stuff as a lost person, all the things I've sinned against God in the darkness and the filth in my life. You're telling me I can come before a holy, righteous God who is in Him. There's no darkness. He's all truth. And I can come to Him and I can humble myself and go, God, I'm a sinner and you know I am. And He's not just going to come down on me. No, He's going he's gonna to show you mercy and grace because you're, you're standing with Jesus. I'm asking you to please show me mercy because I trust in Jesus and the Father's life. I'm good with that. That's what salvation is. It's hearing God's word, believing the power that God offers us through the blood of Jesus, humbling myself to receive the mercy God gives you. So if you want to see the devil have to let you go and set you free, just be honest. Just be truthful with the Lord. If you got somebody you're lying to, quit your lying. Be truthful with them. Sometimes we have to take what we've got coming. You know, just because you tell somebody the truth don't mean they're going to show you mercy. But you know what? The Lord's going to work that out. But at least you don't have some area where the devil's always got you bound up whispering to you. When I can stand up here and go, you know, y'all know I'm pretty, I have honestly have nothing in my life that I to hide or, or nothing like that. I'll pretty much tell y'all everything. Y'all are like, oh, she wouldn't tell me that. Too much information. But you know what it does? It sets me free. And it gives some of you who show grace the opportunity to help them, this poor fool. So if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. Not about you coming up here, making a profession. Would you just humble your heart to God? I, I hear the truth this morning. I just want to humble my heart and ask you to forgive my sin and save me and be my Lord and Savior. If you're a believer, maybe you got closets. You don't got to stand up here and tell everybody what's in your closet, but why not be honest with the Lord and get some help because He's the only one that can help you. Start building your life on the truth of God's Word. Set your heart to God. I want to walk in it and know it. Okay?
Y'all stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed and not paying attention to that baby crying. Let's have a word of prayer and you can respond to the Lord however you need to. Lord, I love you. God, I love you so much. And I thank you that we can be honest and open before you. And we always find mercy. Thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus, Lord. It's not the power of, of our religion or the power of our, our going to church, but it's the power of the blood. It never changes. You never withdraw the, the promises that goes along with it, God. I thank you for the word in our life, how you can radically change us, bless us, give us life and direction, hope. No matter where we've been, you restore, you reconcile, you heal, you save Lord, I just pray as your offer is made to us this morning, God, that some people will receive that, respond to that. God, I pray you would do a mighty work in in your people here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.